Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on Solitaire Board Games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 300. Yay! We're launching a Kickstarter discussion. Dis- discussion. <laughs> Kickstarter discussion. <laughs> well, you had me scared for a minute there, Julius. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because those things are a lot of work, let me tell you. I... <laughs> I understand that. I have not run one. Um, I count myself lucky that I haven't run one. When I was doing some like group pledges and group group purchases or stuff already, that's hard. Oh, that's you like thirty people, yeah. and this is oh. like thousands. So, <laughs> so, uh, so yes. Just just to lay any fears, it is a discussion. It's not a Kickstarter. It's just a kickstarter discussion as julia said very clearly no confusion <laughs> so today is uh well, it's our 300th episode uh and normally for any of the ones that end on a zero or a five we've been taking a popular mechanic or a mechanic of a board game or another topic and discussing it and today what we want to discuss is just albert and i were just going to open up our kickstarters and essentially we're looking at how kickstarter has influenced um, board game design and board game media and the mechanics that have birthed from Kickstarter, essentially. Yes, and how has how has influenced us directly, too. <laughs> and how it's influenced us directly. Well, it, it's yeah. definitely heavily influenced you know, the, the purchases that I've made. Although I find mm-hmm. it interesting that for me on Kickstarter, if you look at my oldest back stuff, it's tech stuff. I didn't start uh-huh. Kickstartering. Okay games at first it was originally tech stuff that i was backing and i i possibly it was because of the horrible failures of those i don't know if you've backed Mm -hmm. anything other than games on kickstarter Um, i have but not too many other things here and there occasionally i've backed something else i've i found that if it's not a game uh the kickstarter has not even delivered has entirely failed have we've had instances of just run away with money or provide really shoddy product um mm. or it's gone to market by some copycat for cheaper and perfectly fine months before or even years before the original name brand in quotes has gone to kickstarter because it's not a board game there's nothing special about the fact that there's this shower tool that you know, you can <laughs> use it with your your showers and whatever it is. Like someone's like, I yeah. can do that same thing. And there's not a whole, you know, cooperative community that comes together to prevent such a blatant copycat type yep. stuff. Like there's no shower head geeks out there or anything that I know of. Yeah. So uh, by and large, I've been really disappointed of anything that is not game related. I've backed stuff in it. Like even I backed some Jewish stuff, and frankly, I've been really disappointed about it. One time, one time, a big tech, a Jewish thing, um, it was a techie Jewish thing, came out. And the Kickstarter was so successful that the guy got bought out by a big company. And so then the big company went and produced it. And frankly, at that point in time, there wasn't any of the care and dedication that the original mm. little guy who made this project, who had this whole thing. No, it's just it's a big, giant company. And they didn't care. It was like, mine's broken. They're like, 
sorry, that's what you get for backing a Kickstarter. I'm like, if I would have back bought your store, I could have returned it. It was sorry, it's a Kickstarter. It's, it's horrible. Wow, yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah, the, you know, not not all games have been immune of that either. You know, a lot of yeah. bad stories there. Yesterday, my son and I played. Um, oh, oh, D Day Dice. Hadn't pulled that out in a long time. So hey, let's play this. Mm. It's been ages. It's it's fun. It's got this big bag, and it was a, a blast. But playing that I was remembering all the the troubles they had with their Kickstarter, and they got into such financial issues, and it was just sad. And D Day Dice itself did fine. It was the subsequent Kickstarters that that company did, Valley Games. Yeah, there have definitely been a number of stories. Yes, there have been. My first Kickstarter was not a game, but it was game adjacent. It was um, I spent fifteen dollars to to fund the Spiel podcast, a video coverage of Essen Game Fair when they went to Essen, I think for the first time. Humorously, one of my earlier ones was funding the Dice Tower podcast. Oh, really? Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that was sort of safer. You know, it's it's you're not worried about gaining anything. You're just funding a podcast, so you don't expect anything. So I guess that worked well. And then after that, it, the second one was D-Day Dice, the board game, <laughs> which was so crazy. Because I remember when that one came out. Did you back that at all? They had a... No. They kept getting more and more and more money. And so they kept adding more and more and more stretch goals, but they didn't think it out ahead of time, I guess. So like the costs were insane and all the stuff they offered. It was a huge package for $36 that I got. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, Kickstarter has been interesting, has changed a lot of stuff. And I think a lot of really cool games have come out that wouldn't have otherwise. Another one of my early ones was a uh, Ogre, the Designer's Edition, the giant monster. Oh gosh! Game, which is not even that giant of a monster anymore, <laughs> really. Like the those at the game store. I, I think I mentioned it to you. I saw this game. I don't know what it was called. They had it um, like two weeks ago. As a Kickstarter came in, it was a forty pound box. Ogre is only twenty. You know, I I haven't played Ogre because it's so big. I can't really get it out. <laughs> it's too much effort. It's under a lot of other stuff. So it's kind of a little bit of a fail. I'd love to play it, but I just can't. So it sits there. It's like a co- it's like a coffee table. I hear you. Uh, have you had, yeah? Have you had any games you've been uh, disappointed with, or really excited with, or oh, disappointed with? There have been very many games that mm-hmm. I've been disappointed with, both from Kickstarter and from regular purchases. Oh, I think yeah. that there's there have definitely been games I've been disappointed with. I think I've talked about them. I'd I'd have to start with some of the more recent ones to really remember some of the ones that I've just been outright disappointed with. Yeah, I know what you mean, because I'm looking at some of my old stuff. I don't even remember some of these. Like, I kind of remember it. I, I got it. I'm I'm confident that I got it, but I don't really remember seeing it or playing it for a couple of games in here. I mean, I'm looking at some of my oldest purchases. There's still my, a couple are still on my shelves, like Bullfrogs is still on my shelf oh, and yeah. I still play it. Harbor is still on my shelf. I don't really play it, but there's a character based on me in the game, mm-hmm. so it's never going to so leave. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, I do like that game, too. And then Farspace Foundry is the next one that is still on my shelf and played frequently. Huh, let's see. The oldest game I have that might get any kind of regular-ish play. Let's see. Flashpoint Fire Rescue Expansions. I didn't back the original, but I definitely backed Expansions. I don't back that publisher, so it wouldn't be in my Kickstarter. Uh, you never did? I thought, oh, okay. I thought you had backed the first one, maybe. No. I bought it aftermarket because I didn't want to support the publisher. Hostage Negotiator. That's probably the oldest one on my list that would still get plays. And many of the other ones, I, I some I still have, some I don't. But they just don't come out because there's too many games. Well, I'm still looking for something that I've played recently. And I've got, you know, probably up to 2015 now. More Hostage Negotiator. 
Sentinels of the Multiverse. How about that? Oh, yeah. I backed that. At least one of the Kickstarter, maybe more. And that comes out once in a while for me. So that would have to be probably one of the bigger successes in that sense, I guess. And they've done three or four expansions. And they keep doing Kickstarters and keep doing expansions. And when I stop following them because they change editions and I don't want to reinvest in it all again, I'm happy with what I have. Yeah, I'm looking through it. There's a lot of disappointments. I'd say it's there's more disappointments than not from older games. There, there's many disappointments and many things are like, eh, whatever. I mean, I guess I never expected much of that anyway. There's a lot of things too. They're just like things like some coins, some dragon coins that I got and a few dice here and a deck of cards or two and stuff like that that it gave adjacent that, eh, whatever. There is one thing though that I want to mention that I enjoy about Kickstarters and it's that it makes it really easy to learn about a game even after the fact. So like, let's say that, you know, there's a, a brand new board game or something that comes out. Um, there's often not a whole page that discusses everything about it that goes into the whole thing. So, I mean, like, here's an example. There's a, a new game, Heat, Pedal to the Metal, which is mm-hmm. this bike racing game where you have to manage your uh, your deck and want to be able to move around track and it's an interesting racing game it is solo friendly but it went straight to retail and so if you want to learn about it you have the you know old standby of look at the back of the box somewhere but it doesn't have quite the amount of information and description Mm -hmm. that you get on a Kickstarter. It's like even their webpage, it says, Hey, here's the, there's the one paragraph blurb and then inside the box, which is almost the same information that is present on, you know, just about any back of the box, that sort of information. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the things that we've seen come out from campaigns, which is a video description, uh, the easy, easy amount to see like the gross overview of what sort of mechanics are there. There's usually a list like here's how to play in like four easy steps. And you can see the very big overview of how to play and a highlight about the different things. And it's an excellent advertising setup that for some reason, retail games have never made websites that have a page to sell you on the game and let you get information about it. And you're stuck. If I want to hear something about heat, I have to go watch a reviewer. I have to go listen to a podcast. I have to go read about it on BGG as opposed to having one page where all that information with pretty graphics and marketing and that whole marketing tool is just missing from retail. I don't know why. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause uh, like the, the videos on the page will describe the game very briefly and very quickly and and clearly a lot of times so it's a great place to go and learn about the game without spending a lot of time and it's all often well organized and whatnot and you know there's you could read it you could watch videos or stuff there's links to some vi- to some uh reviews and different things like that sometimes so it's it's almost like bgg but way more organized because it's more marketing centric yeah because you're right, even the best best publisher websites i've seen are never quite that detailed or that shiny. And that's because I guess they don't feel like they have to be, right? Which I don't know why they don't feel that way. Yeah, they're still trying to get you to buy something. <laughs> right. You would think, especially as we grow into less and less of, you know, in-person retail, that I'd say most people are buying from somewhere online, somewhere without seeing the box. Even if they're going into a store, 
They're going to the store to buy a game, not going into a store, I don't think, to just browse and see what's on the shelf. Yeah. If you go to a, a, a publisher's website, they're going to be pretty static most of the time. If you go to the retailer's website, like I'm thinking like Miniature Market, they'll have reviews and links to videos and other stuff like that, discussions, even like drive through RPG. Have... And again, it's not the same as Kickstarter, but they do try it and have a lot of interaction and, and stuff like that to make it more, more interesting and dynamic, which is nice. But they won't have, in Miniature Market, they still won't have that quick thing of here's your components zoom in on them like pretty pictures no. artistic pictures of them of the components a quick overview of the basics of how you play like the two main things that i always look at when i'm doing this yep is a quick look at how you play in like 30 seconds or less and a quick look at the components i base so yep. much off of that for some reason retail doesn't give me that information and kickstarter does I can't think of any business, any industry where they do do that. Honestly, not even games. Right? Just fountain. I can think of some fountain websites that are uh, retailers that are pretty decent, but again, not quite, not quite the detailed or good. Some better than others, but for sure. With what do you mean and- that they don't do that? The clothing industry. Think about clothing. Yeah, There's- I don't buy. Pictures, yeah, but I'm saying there's pictures of person on a model, not on a model, hanging up on a white. Um, zoom in on all of the different aspects, so like the train and the shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Okay, so it's just the game industry. You're thinking really? I think it's the game industry that hmm. it's so static that all they've done is they've replicated the back of the box in a website form and been like done. Yeah, <laughs> finished. That's As opposed to replicating what kickstarter has done to market board games if websites for board games look more like kickstarter i think they would sell more games mm-hmm. and a lot of these websites i mean they stay up to kickstarter pages do you right because if i go and search for a game if it has a kickstarter page a lot of times that's the first or second link i could look at mm. and i will go there first because the information there is good and clear usually mm-hmm. so yeah yep. a, you're right it's a great resource for after market that's I never thought about it, but that's a great point. So I have backed, according to my thing, 138 projects total, games and otherwise. You're ahead of me. <laughs> okay. Mostly games, but not entirely games. I'm at a mere 122. One, oh, okay. Well, catch up. Yeah, my friendly local game store backs stuff too now, so I will get it through them sometimes. Instead, I'll say, hey, can you back this for me? And they'll, they'll order a few copies, and I'll get it from them. Yeah. Which is nice because that because you know actually that works really well because I don't give the money up front the game store does and then I forget about it for a year because I don't get any emails which I honestly I don't read anyway other than to see when's it shipping when's it shipping when's it shipping so it's as much as I appreciate the Kickstarter and the way to get great games I I really don't want to be bothered by it once I've given the money I want to forget about it which I don't know if that's the right attitude or not because <laughs> because I've given the money I want to get my stuff already. And that, that's not entirely true. For some projects, I'm way more interested in it. Like um, like Final Girl, when they did the second season of Kickstarter, I was following that a lot more closely, really interested in it, and, and chatting on the uh, in their Discord and whatnot. So it, I guess it kind of depends. And that's the thing about Kickstarter is a lot of times, right, The being part of the backers and, and get, being there for pre-production and whatnot, you get more invested in the project because because you're there from the ground up other than, versus going to the store and buying something that's already done. I think you feel a little more ownership if you're involved in the beginning, which also means if it doesn't work out, you have a bit more disappointment. 
You're more invested. Than somebody that just went to butter retail. Yeah. There's a two-edged sword there. There is. And I think you also see that amongst, you know, some, I would say that probably not main reviewers, people with like channels, but you have to see, I feel like you see a lot of that on people reviewing on BGG. Mm-hmm. They're disappointed because after backing it and whatnot. Yeah. Even if the game is perfectly fine, I think if it took too long and there were some complications with it, then you feel burned and you find it hard to enjoy the game. And that gives it a negative. You end up giving it more negative feedback because of that. Even if it's a perfectly fine game, but if you have bought it retail, you'd have been happy with. Sometimes it's not be anybody's fault. Sometimes it's just because it's poor manage. Tis true. What else have I backed here? Oh, Dungeon Roll, a dicey dungeon delve game. I remember that one. That one's the one that came in a little tiny mimic uh, treasure chest box. I did not keep that one. I remember thinking <laughs> it was fine, but it was cool. It was really cool, the box and all that. I don't remember anything about the gameplay. The little game. Have you seen that your Kickstarter trends and habits have changed over time? I definitely look at Kickstarter way less than I used to now. Now when I go to see it, I tend to stumble on it. Like I don't remember why I saw Legacy of You that we talked about recently. That one, I think I, I had a, an update from Kickstarter. And then when I was there, I may have clicked something accidentally and, and found myself looking at that game. But otherwise, most of the things I've been going looking for. I'm also tending to look at solo rpgs a lot more maybe than board games even right now uh because there there's so many there's so many of those i got i went to the game store and asked them to, to back one for me today or yesterday actually <laughs> um so yeah um my habits otherwise and i think i'm back and definitely back in less than i used to i am also way more picky about what i back i think and i, I fear arbitrary things that i think oh i might not even play this i just want to see what it looks like I, I know I've done things like that before. I've been guilty of that. I hear. Yeah, I don't know. Is there any way to see how many you bagged by year? <laughs> no, not without doing something manually. Mm, okay. Then I do not know that. I think one thing I used to do that I don't do anymore is I used to back stuff at just a dollar level. Mm-hmm. Um, just simply to you know show that it's interesting and I like what they're doing, but not actually get the game. I do that a lot less because... The purpose that I was doing for it, like it doesn't make any difference. You can just get it if if you want to get it because you know you want it on the pledge manager or something like that. You can often get in on it later. Usually, it's just fine to get it out in retail. It's perfectly fine. And mm-hmm. the idea of you know backing to show your support, like who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take my dollar, please. I guess. Yeah, no, you're right. The uh, like sometimes if you're unsure, you'd back it, and then later on when the pledge manager unlocks you're able to participate in it and buy the stuff then if you're still interested. And if not, you forget about it. But now, a lot of people, they open that up for anybody. Yeah. There's the late pledges, right? And that's pretty common. Though sometimes the early pledges, the during the Kickstarter campaign pledges, might be better deals. That kind of depends. Eh. Yeah. And a lot of publishers don't give you anything extra for Kickstarters now. Well, I think you still get some benefits, but... They give you less, so there's 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 few exclusive things because those tend to be polarizing. Yeah, polarizing. Thank you. Do you use anything like a Game Find and those other websites? I really haven't followed them. I do. I have stuff over on Game Find. The other ones. Yeah, I've only backed one game on it that I know of, and I think I've I've uh, used Pledge Manager. Game Find is a Pledge Manager, but I haven't backed anything else. Let me see if there's a way of listing how many. Um, so it says that I've backed. 26 through it but i see that some of it is stuff where it was originally on kickstarter 
Someone is not, so I'd have to do, you know, the uh, Okay. Yeah, like that final girl, right? That one I, I backed on Kickstarter, but uh, pledged to the game found, I think. Oh, here's that publisher you don't like? I found another game I backed by them, and that was such a disappointment. That game did not last long in there. Crack the code. There is also a lot of stuff. Uh, friend of the show, Travis Hill, who used to do the uh, Low Player Count podcast, did a few Kickstarters for for solo RPGs and small RPGs in general. And then he got off Kickstarter because there's some controversy with it a couple years ago. And I don't remember exactly where the controversies were. I never really followed him closely. I have no idea. But a lot of interesting stuff left Kickstarter at that point. Never to come back, it seems. Which is, I don't know, a shame for me, I guess. <laughs> and I feel weird. Should I have also left Kickstarter or something? I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to. I mean, Kickstarter's... <laughs> Kickstarter is an interesting place. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. There's been a lot of misses, a lot of hits from Kickstarter, but equally that's true from elsewhere. So, mm-hmm. oh, there's a reason to necessarily leave. There's just you have to be responsible with your purchases. Yep. What is this? Dawn of Peacemakers? Oh, I I backed that. That that was that was one of the disappointments. Was it okay? I wonder. If this is stuff that I, oh, this is people that I know have backed. That's what it's showing me. I see. I believe so because I did. If but I backed I mean, that, it was for a dollar. You you bring up some of this about is is stuff on Kickstarter. The the this idea of the you know, stretch goals and adding stuff to it, and all of the trickery and marketing and all all the shenanigans that go into Kickstarter stuff is annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it I think is is okay, but some of it is. Sometimes people come up with a bunch of stretch goals ahead of time and they plan them and then they start releasing them little by little on purpose just to to do that. And I don't think I like that too much. Some of it makes sense because, you know, when you reach a certain number of dollars or something, you then get discounts on the stuff you're manufacturing. And so you could afford to give the person more things for the same amount of money and still make the same amount of profit. So you could unlock things that way for real. And so the more people that back, the cheaper it becomes for everybody. And that makes sense. And the way they do that is not by charging you less because you can't really do that easily in Kickstarter. So they give you more for the same. And that, that makes sense. But those these fake stretch goals, it feels like sometimes that are like, oh, if you back this, we'll give you, I don't know, some artwork. Um, I don't really care about the artwork most of the time, honestly. I have nothing against it, but I'm not going to use it. I'll, I'll Maybe I'll look at it when it shows up in the email, but I'm not going to download the PDF or anything. So I don't like those. I'm not a fan of that. The the kind of stretch goals I like, I think, are the ones that just adding maybe a little more content to the game. And not exclusive stuff. Just, you know, we're going to be able to produce more because we got more money now. More funding. That I like. Oh, I don't think that all those shenanigans is all shenanigans. You have to, if they're really adding stuff, it's a bad idea. They should not be doing that. Mm, because it's be, untested and all that you mean. Yeah. They need to be prepared. They need to be prepared in advance. And anyone who's already prepared in advance knows what it is that they're going to hit. And if they don't actually I hit see. it, then if they don't actually hit it, then it's going to be an issue. And often you see people setting arbitrarily low um, backer funding amounts so they can say, hey, we fund immediately. <laughs> like, well, our mm-hmm. funding amount was like $100. We did it in two <laughs> seconds. We, we got one pledge. We're in. And then they'll cancel it because they know what they want. They know that there's marketing to be able to say, hey, we got a bunch of stretch goals. We got 
immediately backed. We got this pretty thing here and that there. And there's, there's a lot of marketing that goes into this. It's, you know, it's theater. It's marketing theater. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yep. It definitely is. When I did the one player coin Kickstarters, I think I set the, the, uh, the funding go lower than I should have. Not, and that was because the way, the way Kickstarter tells you what you want to, how to set your mounts, I got confused and I didn't realize that the I needed to include shipping. So I was not including shipping in the go. <laughs> <laughs> Which then terrified me because, oh, what if I get just that much money and that's not actually enough to cover the cost all of a sudden? That That's a shame. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's it's tricky because a lot, a lot of people doing these Kickstarters, like me, don't really know what they're doing. It's not like their job. So it might be just some hobby, a passion project or something. And they don't have any real experience in, in the manufacturing or any of this business process. And that could be hard to figure out and learn going along the way. And that takes a long time. And that, that I think, is one of the bigger issues for the... Oh, I'm sorry about my dog barking. One of the issues for the um, small projects is it's a person doing it on their own, and they just don't know what they're getting into. And they may persevere and do a great job, but sometimes those people seem to really struggle and fail and ruin themselves financially in some cases, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know if there's any solution for that other than just don't go to Kickstarter if you're not sure. Don't don't do it. <laughs> there's a lot of stress that goes into it. One thing that I, oh, I've yeah. I've heard different responses also from our solo community because you often see if your project doesn't have solo, you very quickly see our community coming out and asking for solo. And I've heard different responses from different people about if that's appreciated or not. This sounds like what you're talking about, um, releasing extra stuff after the fact, like unplayed expansions, untested expansions. Oh, we're going to add a new expansion. I just thought of right now yes. if, if you if we get a pledge go. Because a lot of people add sell it to your option because some people ask for it, but... But it's not well done. It's not well done, maybe because they don't know Solitaire and they really haven't played it, so they're they're not really... They don't have the skills to design that, not yet. Yeah. Or, or other reasons. Maybe it's just this... A, game that's really hard to make a solitary variant for and so those are problematic yeah i don't ever ask for it but the problem is is that if it hadn't been asked for so consistently over time it wouldn't have become normal for publishers Mm -hmm. to consider it in advance right so we i suppose we had to get to where we are by having a bunch of bad solo by having it being asked for and then created or not created to get to a state where people are just assuming it should be there and creating good solo modes. Yep. Yeah. And now, now when you pick up a game at the store, it's not unusual for it to say one or more players on the bottom, on the box. Usually. Right. Many, many do, which is, yeah, I think a lot of that is because of this and because of probably because of Kickstarter too, especially that's a good point. Here's a, a Kickstarter I backed for my dog. <laughs> Terribles, the dog toy we've all been waiting for. It's a dog toy where they could tug at it and tear it, and the limbs are attached with Velcro, so they pull off. And they can put them back on, and they can pull them off again over and over. <laughs> Out of curiosity, that how many are you currently actively funding? How many? Am I, not many at all. I actually just the one. Yeah, just the one for me. Be, be like a cat is the only one that. That is currently active right now. Oh, mine is Leviathan Wilds. Leviathan? What is that? That is a cooperative game where you are a tiny little person climbing up a giant monster. It's Shadow of the Colossus in board game form, where you are a tiny little guy climbing up a giant monster trying to 
cure the monster of the plague that is infecting it. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I've got a few outstanding ones that I am waiting for. Actually, I think I've only got one or two outstanding ones at this point that I'm waiting for. So I've got very little. Tales from the Gods, which is a solo RPG. I've got 10 I'm waiting on. And I'm not counting Game Found, but I'm not going to go look at that. Oh, this one yeah, I'm just looking at oh. Kickstarter. Yeah, the only thing I see that is not yet... Uh, well, here's a solo RPG from Zine Quest a couple years ago called The Barrier and the Sound. The Barrier and the Sound. And the the person that made it has been incredibly slow, and they got angry. It says, stop asking me for updates. You, you people are annoying me. Please don't do that anymore. <laughs> I haven't heard anything from him like in probably nine months. Well done, him. And I keep thinking I should ask for my money back, but maybe I just want to see what happens at this point. It's like, well, if I ask for um, my money back, I won't get to follow any more of the drama. And I've already lost the money as far as I'm concerned. Sounds like you probably want to ask for your money back. <laughs> maybe. He still says he's going to do it. We'll see. He hasn't given up. He's just super busy, you know, which is if you're going to be super busy, don't start a Kickstarter. <laughs> yes. Honestly, yeah. Um, Tales from the God is another solo RPG I back, which is based on Thousand Year Old Vampire using the same mechanics, uh, heavily inspired by it. And that one, I received an update today. That's coming along, which is exciting. It's getting ready to go to the printer, I think. So I've got those two, and those are the only two I see that are out right now. And there's some that are long, long dead. Like years dead. So yeah, that's that's my my Kickstarter adventures. I don't... Gosh, do I have a favorite Kickstarter of all the ones I've backed? Ooh, I think that would be a fun thing to say for the end here. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm not good. Oh gosh, I'd like to say Legacy of You, but I think that's a little too new to pick it. So that's. I I would like to say Harbor, but that's probably unfair because that's the one I'm in. <laughs> you know, if that's your favorite, that's your favorite. That's a fair reason, I think, because that's a special Kickstarter for you. Absolutely. Possibly, I'd say Warp's Edge. Really? Okay. You backed that one. I didn't know you had backed that one. I did. Ah, okay. Because that was the first one of the Solo Hero series, and I really like the idea of the Solo Hero series that Renning is doing. Um, and I'd like to see more coming from it, even though I th- think that the most recent one wasn't the best, and we should probably review that soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one did not look at all interesting to me. Eh, maybe we'll do that one soon. Um, but okay. I, I really like the idea of a solo hero series, and they keep coming back to Kickstarter with it. I, I, I like the project design, So, and Warp's Edge is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Gosh, favorite? Maybe I will... I cannot pick just one. I think I want to pick Untold, Untold Adventures Away, which is a, a role-playing game that uses sto- Rory Story Cubes, designed by Rory O'Connor. And who someone else, I forget his name, was also a, a, a big rpg guy, a big solo rpg guy. But um, that one is really neat because it's a cooperative game and everybody works create a story up. up using Rory Story Cubes. And it's really fun, very simple, and very structured. So it's very much like a game. It's not, it's, it's not very abstract at all. And it's short, and, and you could play episodically, so you could come back every week with the same characters. You could just do one-shots. Super cool game. If it's not that one, it would have to be Final Girl, uh, especially Season 2, because I backed that and ended up getting everything for it. <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed with how much I got. I don't know that I could do that again. But boy, I liked it. All that content. These big Kickstarters, you get so much stuff, it's ridiculous. It really is. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a fun thing in a way, but it's also just overwhelming. My gosh. <laughs> and with Final Girl, 
what's happened it's a nice little tiny compact game but with the two big boxes now to play it, i got to bring out a lot more heavy stuff and sort through it to be able to play a game um because i want to use all the extra content that it brought yeah i can't just no longer just play with just the minimum <laughs> uh, understandable and it's not really complaining it's just wow that's overwhelming <laughs> <laughs> Well, but I think we've just about reached our goals on this podcast. <laughs> nice, Julius. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for uh, letting us talk about Kickstarter and Ramble. This was kind of fun. Um, until next time. Albert, do you think we've funded for another 300 episodes? I'd say we have, yes. <laughs> we've, got, we've got at least enough games to talk about for another 300 episodes, I think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> have a good evening, Bye. everyone. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus and can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.